Hi everyone, I'm Bronwyn Beth, and welcome back to The Misfit Musician, the podcast where music and mental health meet. I'm here today with Emily Zwijak. Did I say it right? Hello? Yes. yes. <laughs> hey, Emily. Um, so we met on Instagram. Um, I don't know who started following who first, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I just know it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and I've really liked getting to see... I mean, you post so much in your stories and you're so active on there and that's really fun. Um, but today we're going to be talking about... Um, your experience with injury related to music and what that's been like for you. Um, and so I thought we could just start with like, how did you start playing violin? How old were you? And what was that like? Yeah. So I don't have like a, you know, unique prodigy story of like Mozart starting when he was three, like on piano or anything. <laughs> Same, Mine's yeah. quite, quite unique. I started violin when I was 12 years old wow. um, and I'm 19 right now. So it's been okay. seven years. And really I started through our school program. We were really fortunate to have like, in like elementary school, we had a good band and orchestra program. And then we had a choir program once you like got to high school. Cool. And I was like stuck between, well, initially I wanted to do flute. That was like my main instrument I wanted to do, but my aunt played it when she was our age and she like quit after a few months because she couldn't get any sound out. So she like, okay. don't do it. Our band director was even like, mm, don't do it. It's really hard. Oh no. <laughs> do you want flutists? <laughs> so I, I, then I was kind of between clarinet and violin. Okay. And what initially made me choose clarinet at that time was because my brother was in the band program and I was always just kind of following in his footsteps. He was very like book smart kind of person. So I wanted how to much older kind of is like he? Him. Uh, he's three years older than me. Okay. Yeah. So I chose clarinet and I think this was actually a special part in me going to violin after those three years of clarinet, mm -hmm. because really I wanted to do violin kind of all that time, but I just yeah. thought like I had to, you know, follow, do the band program, do what he did just on clarinet. He played percussion, but still, you know, band, yeah, that, that was the sense. thing. And finally, once I was going to junior high and I had turned 12, um, I, I just finally randomly spoke up to my mom one day and I was like, you know, like, what if I just like tried violin? And she was just, she was very supportive. She was like, I mean, if that's what you want to do, okay, like, sure. And then um, I think that's what helped with the motivation for me to practice and want to learn violin because I kind of silently wanted to do it all those years. And once I could, it was just like the best feeling ever. I wanted to practice all the time. And really from there, it just kind of grew I think about a year into playing, I was like, you know, I, if I could do this for the rest of my life, then okay. Like, yeah, I want to do <laughs> that. Awesome. And then, you know, yeah. branch out to like other programs and it went from there. Cool. Yeah. And it's kind of like your, your thing. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So you said it took about a year before you were like, I really want to do this for my life. When did you start thinking about like going to school for music? Cause right now, um, you're at Chicago College of Performing Arts. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I think it took about a year because I didn't 
know it was a thing. <laughs> like I didn't know you could <laughs> actually go to school for it. Um, besides my brother doing percussion for those few years in school, no one in my family is like into classical music at all. It's like okay. a very foreign thing. You know, I never like, <laughs> yeah. really grew up like listening to music like my teachers have and stuff. I think it was my uh, junior high director actually that talked to me about it at one of our conferences when mm-hmm. I was in eighth grade then that year. And she was like, you know, you, you can do this. Like you can teach, you can perform. And I was like, yeah, like I want to do that. And that's what got me into like the double, you know, degree that I'm doing now. Yeah. That's so fun. I think it's so impressive that you're going to school for music, especially violin. And you started when you were 12. I feel like that's really unusual. Mm. <laughs> like I started late and I started when I was nine. So yeah, that's oh, incredible. Yeah. 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 It's, it's somewhat intimidating. I feel like I actually, we talked about this in the podcast I'm doing a bit with, um, it, it was funny. There was three of us and like me, the violinist, my friend that's a soprano and then we had a guest that was a flutist and we were talking about just like how all those upper voices like Uh everything is so much more intimidating for some reason yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, so stressful um but you sound so good you've clearly like put so much work into it so much effort thank you yeah um I had another question, but I lost it, but that's fine. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So what's your, your for theory and violin? Is that your two majors or is it? No, actually music education okay. and violin performance. Yeah. Okay, cool. Theory that's a hard, there. that's a hard like double major, I feel like, because they both require a lot. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They, and it was hard to find schools that were willing to do both. Okay. I had to do a lot of research. <laughs> Some like professors I talked to at schools I was interested in were even like, nah, like don't do it. We have it, but don't do it. It's going to be too much. So (laughs) when when I found this school, I mean, there were a lot of things I loved about the school, but particularly when they encouraged it and they had a five-year program for it, I was like, oh, that's perfect because that's what I'm planning to do since eighth grade. That's awesome. That's so great. Um, When did injury first start like cropping up for you? Well... I'd like to bring up actually this past story too, before I get into that, because I feel like they're somewhat related. Um, I shared a bit on my Instagram where my freshman year of high school, I had a bit of a pumpkin carving accident. Oh Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Long story short, I was carving a pumpkin with my brother, of course. And he told me to use a bread knife to get the lid off don't okay. use a bread knife when you're carving a pumpkin. It's slippery. It's slipped and it cut. I'm right-handed, but it yeah. cut my right pinky and uh, the ring finger a bit. And it cut through the tendon and everything. It was Ooh, with a bread knife. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> um, so I had to have surgery, you know, for that, then okay. to like, repair everything. And then it took about two months till I could actually play. And then I had to mm-hmm. get back into it. So there was that like injury that I first had. And then, but it wasn't like initially caused by music. So a bit Mm -hmm. different. And then my senior year of high school, I sprained my pinky on my left hand, the other one, from doing extensions the wrong Mm -hmm. way on violin. So that was like my first kind of like related to violin injury, but healed fairly quickly. It took like a month. And so I had like no experience really with overuse injuries. I just heard stories about it from some friends and teachers and had some warnings, you know, to be careful. And I practice, but it's actually probably been about a year because I do remember it was like July 2020 where I just started to notice like maybe a little bit of neck pain that was unusual Mm -hmm. um, and kind of just like in my shoulder. And really it just 
went specifically down to my arm, like burning type, like type of pain. And even though I had all those warnings, I still kind of just played through it and didn't think it was a big deal. Cause it wasn't so debilitating where like, I was like, Oh, this is probably an overuse injury. Cause it started right. out small yeah. and I, I didn't really think it was a big deal. And then once I got into school, I think it was a month into school where I was like, okay, I'm starting to have trouble like actually playing. And it mm-hmm. took me a while to like come out and say, I like to my professors and stuff. Like, I think, um, some something's going on and it as it yeah. got progressively worse because then at that point it just got worse so quickly you know we, we went from there so yeah really it was like two months before it actually got where I was like oh this is probably a big deal yeah and <laughs> I feel I like once go. yeah once you go into school the amount that you were practicing probably just increased so much because of all your classes probably yeah actually it was interesting because you know, during that's like the COVID summer. So Mm -hmm. I was at home and practicing about like four hours a day. And I was actually kind of shocked because once I got into like my classes, it actually decreased because of how many classes I had, which was kind of strange. Um, But I do think it was from working so hard during like that pandemic time. Cause I I was like, Oh, take it as a positive. We have time (laughs) to practice. And then uh, not a positive, (laughs) right? (laughs) A little too far. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, after that, like two month period, when you realized that this was like a little bit more serious than, um, is that when you like start going to the doctor or what did you get diagnosed with? Yeah. So I went to the doctor that did my pinky surgery for the pumpkin carving thing. And he right away, he did some like test pressure thing on my arm and he's like, Oh yeah, you have radial tunnel syndrome. And I'm like, what is that? Because I was hearing like, tendonitis from like my friends and right stuff. it was very like strange and then he kind of explained that it was like the nerve being trapped by the muscle like in the uh, lane that it runs through mm. and that was like the burning I was experiencing okay. and I did physical therapy for yeah probably about two months then and at that point it was getting worse still and I was like I, I took playing off for a little bit of time but I'm also in school for it so I'm trying to keep playing right And I decided to go to a different doctor just to see like a second opinion because then he was recommending surgery. And I was like, I I was okay with the idea of surgery. My teachers were not, they were like, do whatever you can to avoid it. So I was like, okay. And I went to another doctor and that's where it it actually got worse because then I was diagnosed with tennis elbow there because you could easily confuse the two. They were like right in the same spot. And then I didn't, I just really did not know what to do. She was recommending more physical therapy, but I knew that wasn't going to work. So it was probably a few days after that when I saw my other doctor again, where he was like, well, at this point, you know, just keep trying to play. And if it gets to that point where you really just can't hold up your instrument, we'll do the surgery. And that was really his words of saying, well, you need the surgery. And I went home and I just like, as soon as we got home from the appointment, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to play, call him and just tell him I have to do the surgery. And we scheduled it. It was a week from then we scheduled it. And wow, that's so fast. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that recovery like? Long recovery. Yeah. <laughs> Still recovering, surprisingly. Um, so like for radial tunnel, when you're, tr- it's interesting when you're trying to recover from it, you can, you're supposed to jump into your tasks like a week after okay. you're supposed to be moving your fingers the day you get it done to get things like moving. So you don't get like too much like scar tissue in there, mm-hmm. but even though I could start playing my violin like a week after I could really only do like five, 10 minutes or something like that. And, um, 
really the recovery period is supposed to be between six to 18 months till you can like use it normally again. Um, and of course there's like risk of complications and everything. So yeah. I had to go very carefully. Some days I'd be like, Oh, my teacher is like, I, I got an hour and a half of practice done today and no pain. And then I'd wake up the next day and like, could, couldn't really do like 15 minutes. And it was like lots of like pacing myself. And right now it's gotten to the point where I can probably play like two hours, but the thing that the reason why it takes so long to heal is the weakness in your arm and like the trauma really, because surgery is like trauma to your arm right. and it has to recover. So yeah, Absolutely. it's been, wait, this is July. So it's been about seven months for me now. Wow. And you have, what's on your arm right now? Is it a brace or just like a sleeve? Yeah, this is the brace I got when I was in physical therapy. Okay. Um, I actually, I think I just slept wrong last night. So I'm wearing it kind of to help with my arm that was a bit sore. Cause that's another thing too. My being like weak and stuff, you have to be mm -hmm. very careful even now. And I didn't um, really notice that I'd, you know, I've been like overusing it a bit, like or not really overusing it, but like overestimating like the ability that my arm has, you know, okay. daily tasks. So yeah, it's constant, like still being very careful, yeah. wearing like compression sleeves, braces. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're really like learning to listen to your body and kind of check in with those signals. I think it's mm -hmm. really important. It was brand new for me, but <laughs> yeah, <dang it. laughs> I had issues with tendonitis on and off um, in like end of high school and early college just from overuse. Um, but when I had those like when those things were happening i was so depressed and i was struggling so much mentally and i'm just curious how that has been for you um how your mental health has been and what you've kind of found to help keep you afloat as you're healing <laughs> yeah it's interesting on my instagram like i wanted to be real with it and show yeah. you know what i was feeling but it was also such a dark place that i really did not want to share too much about it <laughs> Right. Um, the number one thing that helped me right off the bat, which I feel like anyone would say is someone to talk to hmm. uh, for me. I just, the idea of a therapist right now doesn't really resonate with me. So I, I kind of went to like my high school teacher at first. And nice. if I was ever having like a rough night, think like just with the guilt, you know, that I couldn't play. I was like, hmm. I would go to him and be like, I'm in college for two degrees and I can't play. Like, <laughs> What do I do? And he was, he would talk to me for like an hour on the phone and just so supportive, like just saying it's going to be fine. Like you, you have time, you have five years, you're doing great. And that would really help. And then another person I'd go to was my music theory professor, just because we okay. kind of got close, like over like zoom meetings, we could go into class early and like talk. So I got to know him pretty well. Yeah. So I talked to him and, um, he gave me lots of like, or he actually gave me a connection to like, um, one of his wife's friends that experienced something similar and like mm. another person to talk to. So that was helpful. Um, but I think the main thing, if like you really, really love music and you practice a lot is like trying to fill the gap in your day, Yeah, you know, where you'd be like all my practice time, you know, they do set some time aside for you to practice like in school. And I was like, okay, what do I do? Cause I would do some mental practice, but there's only like so much mental practice you can do, especially during that time right? Um, that your brain can handle. So I tried to fill that gap with music theory. Somehow that's why I have this. I love music theory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was going to ask you about that. And, and um, do you think, how long ago did you start your music theory podcast? Ooh, uh, that was in February. 
Okay. So it's yeah. kind of like a direct result of being able to like put your energy and time into something else that you found that you loved. Yeah. And I also got a little bit closer with our music theory TA because she was okay. just a few years older than me. She is the one that does the podcast with me, but we would sometimes just like talk about music theory, like late at night. We're such nerds, but like, that's what we would do. And that's what turned <laughs> awesome. it into the podcast. Um, but also I started a research project then on RL skills pedagogy. So that took up a lot of the extra time that I had, which nice. was so good, just really to get my mind off of not being able to play because like the guilt and the shame that I felt was just absolutely I had to get away from that yeah that's so difficult um and what's the name of your podcast in case people want to go check it out (laughs) the theory club (laughs) nice yeah that's awesome (laughs) um yeah and as far as like self-care um at least on Instagram one of my favorite things that you do is bath bombs (laughs) I love watching the video when you put the the bath bomb and it starts fizzing it's so (laughs) satisfying um and I just like that because it shows you're taking like time for yourself and kind of carving out that time even though like you're so busy even in the summer you're like taking summer classes Mm -hmm. and everything and so yeah. 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 I think that that was something to learn. It's interesting. Like adults will tell you when you get to college, you know, you have to learn to work hard and discipline. And I feel like for some people, sure. But most people that I know, it's like, no, you need to learn how to take care of yourself and to step right. back. That's what you need to learn <laughs> to rest. <laughs> yeah. I think especially in music, because it's such a demanding degree. Um, because on top of your classes, you have all the practice work and everything. I think yeah. a lot of people in music can tend to be um, overworkers. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. 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 And then what about like your family? I know you said you have a support system through your teachers, um, but you've been at home because of COVID rather than at yep. school. So just wondering what that's been like for you. Um. Well, like throughout the injury, I think my my parents got a bit frustrated at first. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was frustrating for me too, but they were very supportive and just wanted to get it figured out. Like if we had to do the surgery, they're like, okay, do the surgery. Like they, even at first where I was like, I shouldn't do the surgery because my teacher said not to, they're like, yeah. no, do it. Like, you'll be good then like do it. So yeah, they really just wanted me to get better. Um, interestingly, like some friends and colleagues were like 50, 50 on it. Okay. You know, because there's people like my age that haven't experienced injuries before. Mm-hmm. And so to them, I feel like they don't entirely understand like what yeah. the process is like and why, you know, I would be so upset. Um, and then there were other people, one of my friends in particular that helped me so much who had two different injuries going on in her arm wow. and we were both like in the healing process together. And now her and I nice. are both doing much better, but that was very supportive as well. Um, but yeah, with my parents, yeah, I would say they are very understanding of my classes and um, being, you know, like in my room all day, literally. And yeah, like it could get a little frustrating, like being with the same two people like all the time because my brother's off at school. So it's really just us here. But it was OK. Like, I, I'm just yeah. I am ready for the next 37 days to go by so I can be on campus. <laughs> yeah, you have your countdown going. <laughs> I do. <laughs> So you have two teachers, right? Yes, it's a dual studio. Okay, how does that work? So I love it so much. I I couldn't ask for anything better. So I know some people don't really care for it, but I really like it because I get to see um, 
one teacher for like my main concerto Mm -hmm. or like any audition music, you know, like that's kind of what we work on. And then my other teacher, I I sometimes just call her my technique professor, but she's more than that. Um, But we work on like technique, like all my scales, double stops, thirds, all that stuff. And then some Bach. Um, And then they always both told me like, if you want to bring like your Bach to your other teacher or your concerto to the other teacher, do it. Like, that's fine. Like that's up to you. And I think the reason why it works well also that this isn't in all cases of dual studios is because um, the professor that handles the technique side of things was actually a student of my other teacher. Okay. So yeah, it was a big, they have the same. Yeah. 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 So I, I get to see my main teacher for the solo stuff once every two weeks for an hour. And then I see the other one for technique every week for 30 minutes. So I get that like check-in pretty well. That's a really cool system. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I was actually, I was just talking to my teacher about that uh, a few weeks ago where she was just saying, you know, I don't think like you realize, because she's, well, she wasn't saying this in a negative way, but this is just the way she talks. Uh She was like, I I don't think you realize, you know, how, lucky you are to get to be in a dual studio like you know you're going to get ideas from me where she's like the old school kind of Mm -hmm. and then you're going to get like the new school thoughts you know from your other teacher and then she even I right now I'm staying with both of those teachers for um right now but she even said you know maybe the year after I'll be staying with that main teacher for solo stuff for all school but she said um you know we might switch your technique professor like to someone else to get more thoughts and you know so you'll get more experience and yeah it's definitely it's good because I have her as like my main but then I'm also getting the other thoughts yeah I'd never heard of that until you actually <laughs> and I was yeah. just curious about how that works that's really neat. yeah my um my violin teacher in high school when I was starting to apply he actually warned me about schools that might do that because okay um there are some situations I know they do this sometimes at Juilliard where like you'll get to study with that main professor that you want yeah. and also with an assistant but you'll only see the main professor like once a month or once every two months okay and then it's like you yeah. don't really get to know them but yeah, this this program, I was so, so lucky because I get to see Mrs. Mamos every two weeks. So. That's fantastic. Great. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, so going back to the mental health side of things, for people who are struggling with injury right now, whether it's they've had it for a while or it's a newer thing, what would you like recommend to them having walked through this for the last year or so? Uh, number one thing, which I had to learn is really just to show compassion to yourself, which is a hard thing to really get used to. Um, but you want to be so like self-disciplined and you want to do something that you don't realize really, you don't have to do anything. You have to like not do and step back and just like, let it breathe. Um, I kind of learned more about that in my Alexander technique class this past semester that I did. So if they're capable of taking a class like that, whether it's actually through a school program, or I know they offer ones online, Mm -hmm. I would definitely recommend doing that. Or even just searching up like books on Alexander technique. It's really helpful with like body awareness. That's such a good suggestion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, um, setting up like a stretch routine. What I actually did recently as I was starting to heal from this. And then, you know, there's always that like fear 
what if I get like tennis elbow or what if I get like golfers elbow or if it, like all these right. other possible yeah. injuries I'm like oh no because I still like have to be gentle with it so I was like okay yeah. I looked up like all these main injuries or stuff that I really thought were like I was capable of getting if I did something wrong mm-hmm. and I looked up stretches for all of them and I kind of like picked and chose like a few and okay. that's like part of my stretching routine that I do like before and after I practice so I definitely recommend doing that. There's so much online about different stretches you can do and really take advantage of that. And like, I mean, yeah. like don't set up like a 20 minute stretching routine because you're <laughs> not going to do it. <laughs> so like mine is four minutes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Just four minutes. Yeah. Very doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask you about mental practice because mm-hmm. you do more of that than like most people I know. Um, and I think that people don't do enough of it. I don't do enough of it. Like, I think it's such a great way to learn. And I'm just curious what your experience is with that and kind of how you approach your mental mm-hmm. practice. Yeah, well, I love it. I noticed that I make more progress doing mental practice than I do physical practice, actually. Okay. Um, but I, I would never tell my teacher that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, really a few... I mean, this can go both ways. I mean, right now my injury was in the right hand. So that's my bow arm. So I could only do like left hand stuff. So even like trying to do mental practice, like thinking your bow arm while you're doing left hand stuff, or even looking up just left hand exercises, I still practice my scales like throughout when I was like injured and also healing from surgery. I still do my scales and like even double stops, just getting used to like the patterns with that hand, or if it's even flipped, I know it's harder if your left hand's injured and you can only do your bow arm. But when I had that pinky sprain in high school, my senior year, I had to figure that out for a month. And I searched up a bunch of bow exercises and I just did like bow related stuff and let my uh, finger heal. So Hmm. that's kind of like a bit more on the side of physical practice, but can also turn into mental practice. Yeah. Um, But the number one mental practice thing that I will always do forever with any piece that I play now is I'm trying to think how I say this. If you can't talk through the piece, if you like memorized it, if you can't talk through it, you're not going to be comfortable performing it on stage. Mm-hmm. And so for like my jury, this past uh, year, when I had to memorize like my etude and uh, my Chrysler, I I use theory like to my advantage mainly, but also just other memory tips and would just talk through my piece like every day, like a few times every day. And if I could just say, oh, and then this is the A major chord and it goes into like this weird section, I would use any like weird terminology, even if it wasn't theory related, something that could help and just like talk through it. That is definitely, because I know lots of people like they're injured, I've heard are like, oh, but if I can't play like this over and over again to get it memorized Mm -hmm. physically, then like, I can't memorize the piece mentally, but like, really that's like, that's all I've done actually with my Mendelssohn concerto is I would memorize it mentally and then I would just do it physically. Okay. And I feel like you've learned that really quickly. It's been like a weeks. Yeah. Yeah. By memory. Yeah. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is crazy. I, um, I had a teacher who said, like her mental practice, if she could sit down and write out a piece, then she knew she learned it. I like your way a little bit better just because it takes less time. So I feel like you're talking through it. You're kind of tracing the same sort of thing. 
Right. Yeah. Actually, that's what I was told at first okay. was to write through the piece from memory, but it happened, you know, in my right hand and I'm not supposed to be writing a whole lot. So I was like, Thanks. okay, <laughs> how do I translate this? And that's yeah. how I came up with like talking through it. So yeah, same that's, thing basically. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think that's so great. So 37 days, you said? Till you're back yeah, at school. That's yeah, That's I move into the dorms. And then okay. two days after that, we start classes. Okay. And how are you? I know it's hard to like anticipate what it's going to be like. Um, but I think going into like, you've learned how to make your um, life work with your injury and balancing school and everything um, at home during COVID. I'm curious how you're anticipating that changing or um, how you'll be able to continue taking care of yourself once you get in person. Yeah, well, luckily it shouldn't be too difficult. The thing is I have, um, I have a bit of a stomach condition that a uh, chronic stomach condition that I kind of started to get like throughout high school, my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And so I, I made, I asked for an accommodation to like our housing staff for a single room, just so like, if I get really bad attacks, you know, I don't have like a roommate or anything there to like, right. I want to like distract them or anything. And so I will be in a single room and they gave me a single bathroom as well. So That's I do nice. think that, yeah, it was very, very kind of them. Yeah. Um, that will make it easier a bit mentally being there, but then also having that time because you can practice in your room, like during the day, not really, you know, too early or too late at night, but okay. I can with that busy schedule and being in classes all day, I can still kind of like work through like some practice in my room, which will be good. Um, mainly though, I am calling this like freshman year 2.0 because <laughs> yeah. I, I do not feel like a sophomore at all. I even, I talked to like our, um, the people in charge of doing orientation this year for the freshmen. And mm -hmm. I was like, is there going to be something for sophomores? And initially there was supposed to be, but okay. we just got word the housing committee with whatever, we can't move in for orientation. So we can't actually attend oh, it. Gosh. Um, okay. So, you know, it's going to be difficult. Okay. The first week will be difficult. I have to learn how to do my laundry there, how to like, yeah. live alone, how to find my classes. Cause in the city, it's actually one building or school. So oh, you gotta, wow. like work around elevators and all that stuff. Interesting. It's going to be tough, but I think what I learned this past year was how to juggle like my practicing and like my homework and just really get used to all the academic side of things mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, okay, this semester is really just to get used to the side of learning how to be independent. So I'm, I think I'm going to focus more on that side this year and just yeah. be very gentle with myself physically too, with how much I'm playing. Sounds great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I think those are all my questions. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to share or anything you've learned that um, let's see oh actually yeah there's one thing i learned i would love to like talk about on here because yes <laughs> um well first like the one thing when during my injury and stuff people would kind of encourage me to say or just to really think about what do you think you're, like, you're getting out of this injury? What do you think you're learning mm -hmm. from it? Like I see trying to look at the positive side of things, Yeah. but really during an injury, like you don't realize what you're learning and like what you're gaining from it until you're out of it. You can't exactly. like during an injury. So at this point where I can look back, I have kind of got to know more like about myself and with what I've learned. Mm -hmm. And I can say now the question that anyone will ask me that will drive me crazy. And I have some friends that can relate to this. 
is when people ask, so how many hours a day do you practice? Like (laughs) that makes us a true musician. Like now it just (laughs) drives me crazy. I feel like, okay, there's certain situations. Like if you have like younger students first beginning, sure. You'd want them to have like a bit to focus more on that and to think about how long Mm -hmm. getting that discipline, but it comes to a certain point where it's just like harmful, like to professional musicians and to think like, I mean, is it better to practice like four hours a day or two hours a day, but get the same amount of work done? Right. Like counting your act, your practice by hours rather than productivity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the quality over like quantity sort of (laughs) thing, Um, which I, we always like talked about, my teachers would talk to me about that, but you don't really find the true meaning of it until you actually go through something like this. I feel like I just, I have a deeper insight now of like how important it really is. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like you've done such a good job of trying to come through this and learn from it. Um, Cause I know it's been really hard and it's just been neat watching you grow through that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if people want to find you and follow your journey, where can they find you? Uh, geez, I have a lot of social media. <laughs> um, well, I have, I'm that violin girl six, the number six um, on Instagram. And that's where I'm most active. And then okay. we also have an Instagram for the theory club underscore podcast. That's awesome. Instagram. Um, I also have a Facebook page where I post all the same stuff for my Instagram, like all my practice videos. Um, and then I have a YouTube where I post more of like my main, like per- full performances on there. Okay. So yeah. Cool. Do you have a website? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, if you literally just go on Google and search up like Emily's reject website, or even in my Instagram bio, I have it like everywhere you can Awesome. Find it as well. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, thanks so much for talking to me. This is really fun. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for having me. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Emily Zwiejak. Um, It was so great talking to her. This was actually recorded um, a little bit earlier this summer. So Emily's at school now, and she's learning how to navigate some of the things that we talked about in real time. Um, I know there's been a lot going on for her, so um, I'll put the links to her Instagram account and her website, Facebook, things like that, down in the show notes. Um, I highly recommend you following along in her journey. And just to highlight a couple things that we talked about, the things that stood out to me were some of her points about what you can do to help your mental health when you're struggling with injury in particular. She mentioned having someone to talk to and how important that was, having a support system, and I can't agree with that more. I think that's really, really key to working through some of these difficult things, whether it's injury or something else that you're dealing with. I also want to highlight the idea of making time for self-care. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that on some of my Mental Health Monday posts, self-care has been a focus, and I stand by that. I think it's so important. I don't do it enough. I think most people don't do it enough, especially when you're busy and working. But I think your ability to care for yourself enhances your ability to care for other people and to do a better job with everything in front of you that you have to work on. Another thing is having compassion for yourself. I think that came up. Um, Just in talking about how 
difficult it can be on you mentally when you have an injury, especially if you feel like you should be able to do more than you can. And having compassion on yourself is just recognizing where you are and allowing yourself to be there. It's not pushing yourself to try to be different or pushing yourself into anything that you're not ready for. It's allowing you to just kind of let your life unfold as it happens before you and be kind to yourself, whatever that ends up looking like, even if it's not exactly like what you thought it would. We kind of talked about that last week in the Embracing Your Misfit episode. Some really, really practical things that we touched base on that I just want to mention quickly is Alexander Technique. Alexander Technique is wonderful. I think we'll probably do an episode on that. Just focused on that. I've taken a few classes on it and it is so helpful, I think, not just to musicians, but to anyone. And it's focused on allowing your body to kind of heal itself in some ways by allowing it to discover the natural way that it was made to be and made to be used, that as we live, we unlearn those things because of stress and stress responses um, and injuries, anything like that. And this is kind of helping you get back to a place where your body is more fully how it was designed to be. And then the last thing is stretching. I think Emily does a great job with this. I'm actually going to link her Instagram video of her stretch routine in the show notes. You can go watch it if you want. I think musicians undervalue stretching before performing or playing. But if you think about it, if you were doing a sport, you always warm up with stretches. Otherwise, you get injured. So um, I think it's something that we should definitely try to implement more into our practice. And yeah, she just has a great routine that she does. And so I'll put it in the show notes. Go check it out. That is all for today. I hope that you are all doing well. Thank you for listening to this. And... If you have any questions, ideas, comments, you can reach out to me on my Instagram at BronwynBethViolin or my email BronwynBethViolin at gmail.com. You are magic. Live in love.